Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. We talked about change in the in BAM, too. I asked a question to the men. I usually ask them a question every week and give them a, at least a, maybe a day to think about it, maybe. And I asked them how they dealt with change. What was their reaction to change? And I would say that the similarity was the first reaction is either panic or fear. Because really, even if it's a wanted change, there's, there's an apprehension that comes with change. There's a discomfort that comes with change. And human beings really don't do well with change initially. But through our discussion and through our time together, I, I, I think we came to the conclusion that the, the thing that we are fearing the most is loss of control. Because we really can't control change, even the ones that we think we are planning out. We can't control it. But there's someone who can. Who can help us walk through change, adapt to change, to embrace change. Which may be the hardest thing to do as a human being. And in embracing that change, it is all the more reason we need to be on the right frequency. There's a lot of noise in the world. And we said last week, you know, or two weeks ago, that human beings have a noise problem. That all of us give out a frequency. And everything around us gives out a frequency. People, these chairs, everything gives out some kind of frequency that interferes with our thinking, with our emotions. Especially if we're going through a change. And if there's one thing that I found out in my 66 years on this planet, that life is always changing. And so I'm not sure why we're surprised when it does. But it's so important to be on the right frequency with with Father God. When we live in this noisy world, with every other frequency is trying to interfere with that connection that we have with Him. Trying to confuse us. Trying to discourage us. Trying to get us off course. Whatever it does to us. However we react to it. Hearing his voice is so important. Understanding his voice is important. Obeying his voice is important. We need to be on the right frequency with God. We talked about the the noise problem that human beings have and how it just interferes with our thoughts. And, and, And I said that we had to, sometimes we had to quiet ourselves and listen to what? To the shh. Of God, this quieting of ourselves is is more than just being silent. It's more than just not saying words. To me, this this stillness, the sacred stillness that I talk about, is getting to a place, a posture, a position where we quiet down our thoughts, our opinions, our emotions in a place so that we can receive all the words that God wants to say to us. It does involve silence sometimes, but it's so much more than that. And that's why we're, we need to take this posture of stillness when we quiet our mind, our thoughts, our opinions, because I think this posture of stillness is motivated by a powerful truth. We talked two weeks ago about there's a big why behind wanting to hear the voice of God. And it's important to know what that why is. We want to hear instruction. We want to hear direction. 
We want to hear confirmation. We want to hear encouragement from God. Yes, 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 and yes. Those are good whys. But we just sang it in this song. I think the biggest why is because we love to hear his voice. That we absolutely love to hear his voice. That above all the noise, above all the other frequencies, above all the other things that are trying to get our, our attention, the reason why we want to hear his voice is because we love it above any, any other voices out there. And when we get into this place, when we get into that posture of surrender, and it is a posture of surrender that we get to, we fall in love with his voice more and more and more. And it gets easier and easier to recognize his voice, the right frequency above all the other frequencies. Hearing God is all about love. It's always been about love. It will always be about love. I want to hear his voice because I'm desperate. I'm lost without it. I want to hear his voice because I love him. Because when I'm there, I can hear about his goodness. In such a way that no matter what change comes, I am able to trust in my father's words. I don't listen to the other noise anymore. The other noise can't get to me anymore. The other noise doesn't have an effect on me anymore. Because Father's voice is so embedded in my soul, in my spirit, in my mind, in my emotions, in my will, that I can't not, I can't help but hear him. I want to get there. I'm not saying I'm there, but that's where my heart is this morning. I'm desperate to hear his voice. Anybody else here desperate to hear his voice? Every moment of every day? I'm getting more and more desperate for it. Not because my faith is weak, not because I'm afraid, not because I'm doubting, just because I love it. I can't get enough of his voice. I love when Father invades my space with his voice. I love when he interrupts my moments of the day of responsibility and says, I love you. And I want to have a conversation with you. I love that when that happens. Because it draws me closer and closer to him. And so that, man, I recognize that voice quicker and quicker and quicker. I am so desperate for it. I want to get to a place of listening that is so frequent that it occupies every aspect of my daily walk with Jesus. That there's nothing about my walk through this life all my responsibilities, all the people I have to talk to, all the people I have to listen to, all the preparation I have to do. I want to hear his voice through all of it. I want that level of intimacy with him. Don't you? Don't you want that level of intimacy when, where there isn't a thought that's not invaded by the Holy Spirit speaking truth to us? Don't you want that? Don't you hunger for that? It is so Blatant and obvious that Father wants us to hear his voice. 1 Corinthians 2.9. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Wow. God wants us to know him. 
God wants us to hear him. Not because he's got information to give us, because he has intimacy that he wants to share with us. It's more than knowledge that God wants us to know him by. It's our hearts connecting. It's our spirits connecting. It is the realization that our soul has been redeemed. And hallelujah. Father wants to speak to us. Get that. Father wants to speak to us. His sons, his daughters, desires it deeply. Loves to talk to us. Loves to have a conversation with us. Because there's so much noise out there. And he loves us so much. We have been designed by God to walk and talk with him. And we understand this world that we walk in by our experience with him, by our life with him. Through all the senses that we have and enjoy and are blessed with. For ten days, I will have my grandson, Jackson, staying with us. It's great. Four years old. And there's one thing about four-year-olds, I've, you know, it's been a long time since I've had a four-year-old for this long in my house. But here's one thing about four-year-olds. They have amazing time-space control because they will slow you down and they will speed you up all at the same time. And the beauty of this is that they will notice things that we overlook as adults. And they will completely ignore other things that we always notice. They embrace change pretty easily, as long as you communicate to them what that change is. And they are willing to go to a higher power for clarification, for instruction. And another thing about a four-year-old is, in order to enter their world, in order to really experience life with them, you need all your senses. You need to be able to see, hear, speak, smell, and touch them. And the same is for the higher powers in their life. They experience their higher powers, their, their parents, <laughs> their, their grandparents, with all those senses. I have been touched. I have smelled things that I haven't smelled in a while. I've tasted things I don't necessarily want to taste. I've heard the screams of delight when something is discovered and running around on a playground. And I heard him try to communicate, as a four-year-old tries to communicate his world to me, through questions. It's a wonderful experience. And then he, did me, he gave me a gift, not only of his presence, not only of being able to be with him for these ten days. He actually confirmed what I really want to share with you this morning. It takes all of Jackson's senses to experience his higher power in his life. To touch him. Crawl over him, speak to him, hear him, and even taste him. I've been licked and all that kind of stuff. It's great. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a total immersion into each other's world. I totally believe that experiencing God, knowing God, receiving from God, hearing God is a multi-century experience. That we are meant and designed to hear God through all our senses. I'd like to take you on a little journey and see if any of these things resonate with you as we get more and more desperate for God. Each one of our senses, God communicates joy and excitement, encouragement, revelation. God uses them all to to communicate who he is, uh, things about his character, things about his 
personality. God has a personality, by the way. Now I know that. Every one of you has a personality. You're created in his image. God has a personality. He has a character to, under, to get to know and to understand. And, he, and we navigate through all that relationship nuances with him through these wonderful senses of ours. As they convey information to our brains and to our spirit and, and it gives us a greater understanding of who God is. And so that we can connect the knowledge that we learn about God, what we have about God, with our experience with God and our faith about God. And then all of a sudden, hearing God is not an issue anymore. Because we know his character. Because we know his personality. We know how he likes to speak to us. We know how he likes to communicate with us. See that? We can hear God through taste. And taste can tell us a lot about life. You don't have to raise your hands, but... How many of us have ever tasted disappointment? How many of us have gone through something, some kind of circumstance, some kind of trial, some kind of conversation that has left a bad taste in our mouth? It's a, it's a common phrase that we sometimes use. Oh, that left a bad taste in my mouth. And we're not talking about eating something. We're talking going about going through something, experiencing something that left us disillusioned or disappointed or disgusted even. Oh, that conversation left a bad taste in my mouth. That experience left a bad taste in my mouth. Taste communicates a lot to us. Thankfully, thankfully, the scriptures talk about it in a whole different and redeeming way. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. All the joys of those who take refuge in him. Basically, the scripture is saying, try and experience life with God. Try. Try God. Experiencing Him. Taste Him. See that He is good. Involve yourself with Him. Engage with Him. Take part of what He's doing. Taste His character. Taste who He is. He'll take the bad taste out of your mouth. He'll remove that with goodness. And joy as we take and hide our lives in Him. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Wow. They are sweeter than honey. The Hebrew can be, all those words can be, it can say this. Your words are smooth. Your words are pleasant. And they stick with me. Like honey. Your words are nourishing to me. They are food to me. Your, the way you speak, Father. The way you talk, Father. The way that you have conveyed your love to me. It is so sweet to me. And it sticks with me. You know how sticky honey is. You know how sweet honey is. You know how good honey is for you. Psalm is just saying, oh, Your words. Oh, they're so sweet. They're so nourishing to me. And they stick with me, too. Your words stick to me. It removes the bad taste in my mouth from all the other crap I went through. Your words are sweet. Man, taste can tell us a lot about life. This way of hearing God through taste is a frequent daily, moment-by-moment invitation to know Him. Come 
taste and experience life with me. Get to know me personally. You know, Jesus also promised that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be what? Filled. Complete. If you're going to hunger, if you're going to thirst, do it after righteousness. And I promise you, Jesus says, you will be filled. He also said what? I have water for you. Living water for you. And if you drink of this water, you will never be thirsty again. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Who promises us that our hunger and our thirst will be fulfilled in Him. Taste, 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 taste the Lord. Taste who He is. And He will satisfy our hunger and remove all the bad tastes in our mouth. So we can ask Him, or ask ourselves, how can I taste of the of God's goodness today? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Am I getting my flavor, my taste from life, my taste for life, from Him today? We can hear God through our sense of smell. I thank God for the gift of smelling. So much is communicated through our gift of smell. We can walk into a room, we can walk into certain areas, we can smell a, a familiar smell, and it will instantly bring us somewhere in our memory. Instantly. We're, it's like we're all back into that place. Smells are important. They connect us with memories, and they connect us with experiences, and they connect us to relationships. I still have a bottle of my wife's favorite perfume, and I will spray it around my bedroom to help me remember her. And I can walk into the room and smell her, usually spray the pillow next to me, and it helps me relax. Connects me with her. The sense of smells communicates so much to us. I love the smell of the ocean breeze when I get down to the Hatteras. I love the smell of the air after it rains. I love the smell, get this one, you I love the smell of a brand new baseball. I usually buy one every spring. Just to smell it. Carry it around with me where I go. Around the house usually. And just smell it. I love that smell. It brings me back to childhood memories of being able to play baseball and enjoying it. And I love that sport. I love the smell of fresh brewed coffee. And so many other things. And all of them, all of those things, it connects me not just to memories. It connects me to the Father's goodness who not only gave me the gift of smelling... But created all those things that I enjoy to smell. Now my wife, she used to enjoy the smell of skunk. And then she would say, I love the way you smell, Jay. <laughs> Gonna ask her about that someday. But the gift of smelling is, I'm so grateful for. And it reminds me of how important it is to smell good. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 15. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. You and I give off a divine smell that communicates a message. To the people around us. It communicates the gospel message. We carry the fragrance of God. Imagine that for a moment. That this morning you smell like God. 
Because he's in you. Because he's touched you. Because he has healed you and is healing you. Because he's spoken to you and is speaking to you. And you cannot help but smell like him as you get deeper and deeper and deeper in relationship with him. You can't help but smell like Jesus. And you give out a message, a message of hope and redemption for people that have need desperately to hear this message. But it leads to this point that in my contact with people, in my interactions with people, especially who those who do not know the Lord like we do, and who we want to bring into the kingdom and become sons and daughters, I have to be conscious of the way I smell. Physically, yes, I'm not, but I'm talking spiritually. Does the scent that I give off remind people of Jesus or something totally different? Nothing about my wife's fragrance. If When I spray it, it lasts for days. It stays embedded in that area. And this is what the scripture is talking about. We want to leave the fragrance of Jesus wherever we go, whoever we deal with, however we react with people or interact with people. We want to make sure that they smell Jesus on us. Because smells communicate a message. They bring people back to a memory or they... You know, when you walk into some place and you smell something that you've never smelled before, what does it do? It catches your breath for a moment, doesn't it? What was that smell? What was that smell? You know, you ever go to the Adams thing when they have during the spring and they have all the flowers, you walk into that area and you got to, oh man, there's so many smells competing for your attention. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But it stops you, doesn't it? You try to use your nose to single out a scent as if that's possible. But this is what it's talking about. This is what the scripture is talking about. We want to walk into an area and people stop in their tracks and say, what is that aroma I smell? Through my actions, through the way I love people, through the way I deal with people, through the opinions I express, I want them to smell Jesus on me. Not Jay. Sense of smell communicates a lot. I want to leave a scent that reminds people that they need a Messiah that cares for them. The gospel has a scent. And it smells like Jesus. It does. So I want to ask myself, am I so generous in my love for others that it leaves a lingering sweet smell of Jesus? And how can I smell like Jesus in the middle of a world that stinks with sin? How could that scent overpower and send a message of hope? We can hear God through the way we see things. Job 42.5. In the context of this, Job had just gone on this long dissertation to God about how good he was, basically. And then God speaks to Job and reveals something. He reveals himself. And Job was, this is Job's reaction. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes see you. Job is saying, you know what? I have known information about you. I had known from all the oral traditions. I had known about you completely. But what you just did opened my eyes. And now I know you and see you. 
It's a remarkable turn of events for Job. But it just reminds me that when your head and your heart collide and make the connection, it is a relational, it's a relational revelation. When you start to connect your head knowledge and your heart knowledge together and you begin to see God for who, who he really is. It's a beautiful collision. You've heard the term seeing is believing. In this case, believing is seeing. Job had a such an encounter with God that he repented from, the, from all the things he just said because he saw God in a way he had not yet seen God. And I thank God for the gift of sight. Take a moment and look around this room. There's beauty here. There's the handiwork of God here. You are all created in the image of God and you're beautiful. It's wonderful to look at your faces. It's wonderful to see your eyes. To see your lives unfolding as you walk with Jesus. Thank God for the gift of sight. It's beautiful. Our eyes give information to our brain and, and also our spiritual eyes, our insight, our discernment, they do the same thing for our, our spirit. Everything we see in the physical world and the spiritual world communicates to us. We can hear God speak in a sunset. I love sunsets. I do like sunrises too, but I love sunsets. And I see God in them. I just saw God in your faces. It communicates something to me. Every face we see is someone that God loves. So how I see them is important. Do I see the people that interact in my life, both friends and family and acquaintances and people that just randomly enter my life? And I don't think there's really anything random about that. But every face I encounter, passing by or staring into, is a face that God loves. And it's important to see them how God sees them. Seeing people communicates to them. So when I am looking at someone that I am uncomfortable with, for whatever the reason I'm uncomfortable with them, but I look past all those things that are making me uncomfortable, and I see the person, I am seeing like God sees. That makes sense? And I need to have that kind of eyesight, insight, because then I can love them like the Father loves them. Because I see how the Father sees them. He sees them with compassion. He sees them with kindness. He sees them with a great desire for their lives to be changed and redeemed and restored and healed and forgiven. And then I begin to see like the Father sees and my agenda goes out the window no matter how uncomfortable I am. If I concentrate on their sin on their disability, on whatever is keeping them from the kingdom. If I, if I just see that, I will not see the person that God loves behind that. I gotta look at all that. I gotta take in that information. I gotta examine it. I gotta be able to formulate a plan so I can communicate to this person the gospel. But I gotta see the person. Because that's what Jesus said. While we were yet enemies, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because God was seeing a people that needed redemption first. 
Wasn't excusing the sin. Wasn't making allowances for the sin. He made a way for sin to be forgiven. Redemption. And I think our eyes need to look through the lens of redemption. And it's kind of like a two-way thing. We see that we needed redemption. Still need redemption. And these people need redemption. The way we see communicates and helps us hear God by the way we see people. So the question is, do I see the world through God's eyes? Are there any blind spots in my vision that I need to remove so I can see God clear? Because the clearer I see him, the more I know him. We can hear God in the way we touch. Can you imagine not having the ability to touch? Not able to really fully appreciate a handshake or a hug. I know some of us are not. My love language is physical touch. I know that's not all our love language. But just to to appreciate the touch of someone's comforting hand on the shoulder. Be awful. We know that leprosy is basically losing the ability to really touch and feel things. And what happens to those limbs. The disease, what it does to them. Touch is huge in the way we communicate our feelings and our affections and our emotions. It's one of the things I miss the most, being a person of, <laughs> that loves that kind of stuff. But imagine not being able to touch like silky smooth fabric or soft cotton or even rough burlap. Imagine the sensations of those things and how each one of those things communicates something to you and sends a message to your brain. Touch is important how we interpret our surroundings, our world. Imagine it's the middle of the night and you've got to go to the bathroom, but you don't want to flip on the light. What do you do? Use your radar to touch what's in front of you to make sure you don't bump into something. You're appreciating the ability to be able to touch something. They can communicate something to us. Touch is important how we hear God. In the book of Matthew, verses 31 to 46, Jesus it's saying this wonderful thing, He's, and it's confusing to them at first, but he says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was sick and you took care of me. And everybody was asking, when were you hungry? When were you thirsty? When were you sick? We don't, we, we don't remember this. Jesus said, when you did it for the least of these, you were doing it unto me. See, we can hear God by the way we touch the lives of other people. Because we're hearing his heart in this. He's saying, you know, when you did things for the least of these, for the, un, the disenfranchised, for the people who are hurt and lonely and lost, when you reached out to them and you touched them with physical needs and you touched their spiritual needs, it was like I was right there and you were doing it to me, for me. This is how we connect Hearing God's voice would touch. We can't actually touch God. Someday. Someday. But we can touch his heart. And connect with his heart. So that we are so moved that we go out and touch the world that's full of untouchables. It's connecting, hearing his heart. Hearing, hearing his purpose. Hearing his intentions. And saying, yeah, I'm going to touch these lives because this is what you would do. And I see you in them. It's like I was doing it for you, Jesus. And Jesus said, yeah. When you did it to those least of those people, 
you were doing it for me. That's a beautiful connection to the sense of touch. I thank God for this gift and for opportunities to touch others with his love. So I ask the question, when I see the needs of others, does it touch me? And touch me enough that I want to touch the Father's heart when I see them and then listen to what he's saying about what to do about it. It's all connected to our senses and the way we move through our world and interpret the life around us. And then there's hearing God through our sense of hearing. This might sound obvious. I want you to do me a little experiment here. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to listen. What did you hear? Did you hear anything? Other people's voices? Did you hear maybe the traffic going by? Certainly, you probably heard the breathing of the person next to you. If you were really quiet enough, you probably heard your own heartbeat. Maybe you hear the the heating unit in the background. It's easy to get lost in the noise around us, to have all other noises kind of either drown our thoughts out or our feelings out or our emotions out or just get caught up in the buzz. It's like when you go into a crowded restaurant or a banquet hall, and you sit down and you just hear this buzz. You can't really distinguish the, the conversations, but this, this buzz comes. And some people get off on that, some people get excited about that, and some people it drives them crazy. But it does have an effect on us. But God gently reminds us in Psalm 46.10, Be still. Be still. And know... That I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know I am God. Can you hear the gentle shh of God in that scripture? Be still. Be still. The Hebrew word here for still means to to slack, to loosen something, to relax, to sink down in something. You ever sink down in a very comfy couch or just sink down into it, being swallowed up by it? This is the picture of that, to sink down into something. To see something and to let go of something. Be still. It describes a picture of trust and it implies an act of surrender. That this is probably the only time where it's good to be a slacker. Okay? It's to loosen something that's holding you tight. To let go of it. To sink down in the comfort of trust that God has given us. It's not really ceasing from all activity. Again, it's an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude of our spirits. It is just saying, and it's an act of will to surrender, right? We have to surrender our will. We have, it's an act of the will to surrender. And this is what this scripture is saying. Be still. You can do this. You can be still. 
You can let go of things. You can slack off of things. But when you are, the beauty of this, when you can do this, when you get into this place of trust and you sink down into it, you know that I'm God. And because you know I'm God, you can do this. It's an invitation as well as a command. It's an invitation with a promise. If you still yourself, you will know I am God. It's a beautiful promise in that scripture. God's people, God's sons and daughters can be still by faithfully trusting God. Because we know him. And the Hebrew word here for know, when he says, know that I am God, is a multi-sensory sensory word. It says that we know by, by, by seeing, by hearing, by tasting, by touching God in our everyday life. See, when you quiet yourself, when you still yourself, when you seek down into trust, you'll be able to see me. You'll be able to hear me. You'll be able to taste me. You'll be able to to touch me in your everyday life. See the Jews, folks, man, I'm telling you, they had a they had a different understanding of their relationship with God. It was all their emotions, all the time, all in on knowing God. Look throughout the Psalms. It's all about tasting, touching, knowing, seeing, hearing. And then speaking about his faithfulness. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word. And the Greek there means is rhema of Christ. There are two particular Greek words that are used to describe the word word in the New Testament. One of them is logos. And it talks about the entire word of God, scripture. And the written word, I mean the living word of God, Jesus. Jesus is the Logos of God. Rhema talks about God's voice speaking now and instant. The instant voice of God. But the rhema of God, when God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, Helping us to, to understand the scriptures that we read. Understand the, 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 the things that we're getting through all our different senses. Interpreting it for us through logos. The word of God. The rhema of God never contradicts the logos of God. But it's wonderful to know that God still speaks to us. So that we can understand his voice. Through his word. Through the, all the different ways that we hear God. Through all the different sensory things that we experience, God wants us to know Him. And the Holy Spirit that leads us to all truth is speaking to us every moment so that we can interpret it correctly. And so when God instantly speaks to us and says, hey, and unfolds what the meaning of a particular scripture is, the Logos, and says, this is what it means. And we get a new revelation. How many times have you read a scripture over and over again and all of a sudden one day you read it again and it's like, I've never read this scripture before. That's that's the rhema of God speaking to you in a way that you haven't been able to receive it yet. But it doesn't contradict his word. It just 
helps you understand his word. And that's what the beauty of this is. The logos and rhema of God. Here's the thing. We all give off a frequency. We all make sounds. I make more sounds than most people, but we all make sounds, frequencies that other, get this, that others hear and use to interpret their lives. Think about that for a moment. Just like other frequencies around us help us or harm us in interpreting our life, we give off frequencies. We make sounds that other people use to interpret their life. It's kind of sobering, right? But how beautiful it is that God wants to communicate his love, his purposes, his plans, his strategies. He wants us to know all about him and he wants to know all of him. So that he... His is his frequency that we're broadcasting and not our own. That when people come into our, our presence, they are hearing the voice of God through the way we love them, through the way we interact with them, through the way that we speak about him. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And so I ask, we're... <laughs> Were my words pleasing to you today, Father? Were my words pleasing to you? And did they bring life to other people when I spoke them? And am I listening to your voice before I speak? Before I speak. Sometimes... You know, in the past, and thankfully not so much in the, in the present. I gave you my opinion whether you wanted it or not. Because I thought I was right. I was that arrogant. Thankfully, over the years, God has toned that down in me where I, before someone, that, you know, even when they asked me, I said, you know what? I just got to, I got to listen for a moment. Before I speak. Because I want to speak words of life. First John, and we'll close here. First John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we had seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we had seen and heard and proclaimed also to you so that you may you may too have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. That's a lot of hearing and seeing. Do I think God wants us to experience life with him with all our senses? Oh, yes, I do.